It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. I am joined by Met from the Can You Believe It podcast, whom we are both at the edge of our seat, having just lost to Nottingham Forest away, waiting for that new kit release that we're all waiting for after a loss, aren't we, mate? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, good, good, mate. Um, I, I can't wait for a new kit release because um, I am an absolute sucker for everything Arsenal merchandise-wise. And um, I, I'm pretty sure they could release anything and I'd buy it. But not the uh, the one thing I wouldn't buy is that new TFL stuff that's coming out, the new TFL Arsenal stuff that yeah. is going to come out. No. So uh, have you not seen it? So basically, imagine a tube seat with an <laughs> Arsenal badge on it. Are you joking? No, yeah. I'm not joking. Like Arsenal kit. Yeah, a tube a tube seat with oh, an Arsenal badge. My God, <laughs> Jericho, what are they? What are they saving that for? Because obviously they. Um, leave all the kit launches until just after we lose, and they wait for it yeah. to bounce. And they go, "Oh, here's Bukayo Saka with a puppy. You might you be feeling okay." And that's <laughs> how we feel. And oh my god, I'm looking at it now. It's terrible. When are they? When are they releasing that? That's that's a post. That's a post North London derby loss, isn't it? That's got that. Real. <laughs> yeah, or, or when we get not um, get get knocked out of the Carabao Cup. Yeah, like no okay. trophies this season. There you go. There's a new kit. Well. You say that, um, but news has just come in as we about ten minutes before uh, we started this, so we haven't really chance to catch up properly, um, other than chatting on here. But uh, I don't know if you on your podcast, but it looks like um, so. The Athletic have reported that Klopp's likely to be investigated because of this COVID stuff. Wow, I know. So <laughs> really, what's going to happen is he's going to get investigated. The whole covid debacle and the lies that they've done is going to come out and we're going to get a bye to the final so i don't think we're going to be losing any semi-finals anytime soon <laughs> well i i i i hope that does happen because uh it, it did seem dodgy i mean if Klopp just um was quiet for a bit it might have actually worked out for him but you know saying that you've got loads of false positives it might have actually bit him on the ass so um yeah it, it's going to be interesting um, it was it was so methodical like we knew it from the start I actually I don't know if you saw I went I went viral this week having tweeted about it you did it, yeah it was mental I, don't, I, I didn't expect it because I don't have notifications on my Twitter yeah I tweeted about I said something silly made a little joke to my measly 500 followers about um <laughs> like about the fact that Liverpool want to get things cancelled and all that sort of stuff um, it turned on my phone next and it had got like 60,000 likes and retweets and God knows what, but it was all came, came from like Klopp. Um, they came out and they said there was suspected COVID cases, which means nothing. It, like, yeah. it literally means nothing. Like no, no one's ever come out and said that before. You either have COVID case or you don't. Then they tactically said that their um, coach had COVID, which doesn't make a difference because he doesn't come into the equation when it's registered players. They tried to get it cancelled. They got it cancelled. They closed their training ground. It was all smoke and mirrors. Suddenly, we can play on Sunday. Of course you can. <laughs> it's only Trent that has it. Someone did the maths. It is less than... You know what the, the chance of having three um, three false positives are? One in eight billion. <laughs> that is the likelihood of getting three false positives. Because like, if you think about it, it, obviously lateral flow tests aren't that reliable. It's very easy to get a false negative because if you have something, it doesn't detect it. It's just missed something. Yeah. But like 
it's basically impossible to get a false positive because it's like it's the false negative would be just missing something whereas a false positive is detecting something that isn't there so it's just physically impossible and uh it's it's just a pack of lies and now the athletic is reporting that they're likely to be investigated and oh, I'm, I'm still angry about it i'm still yeah angry. i mean like uh, so what you're saying is that the avengers uh, are more likely to beat Thanos than um liverpool getting free false positives um uh, covid tests so yeah at, it... <laughs> at the same time as us both winning the lottery pig flying in the air and yeah. and uh, and Javinho scoring a hat trick <laughs> oh, oh god he, he was very close to scoring a hat trick on multiple occasions so but um, mm. but yeah i, I know we're, we're going to speak about the forest game but yeah th- th- this was a pretty bad bad week for living like I, I it's taken away our advantage because obviously we had home advantage so i i know they we get the second leg at home and that can benefit us but i thought this week was kind of good because we could have gone liverpool forest the liverpool again and then spurs mm-hmm. and then sort of but now we've got the liverpool game next week and then the week after and it's just it's really awkward it's basically playing to their plan rather than ours yeah. and it what it, it wasn't I, I don't think it was fair enough and liverpool fans can cry all they like or, or say what they want but i i just don't think them postponing it by uh, like for something that they probably had injuries but they probably didn't have covid cases probably had one covid case and they've tried to loophole the rules and i I don't think that's fair really i think um i always go back to the first week of the season with brentford and arsenal having four i think it was four covid cases Mm. at that time and that game had to go ahead but now it's just like games are getting cancelled for not just covid cases but injuries and covid cases as well so Mm. like it is a bit of a um, a bit of a bad thing. Liverpool couldn't have got the game this weekend cancelled because it, they would have had to have at least fourteen register, like fourteen yeah. fit players, no matter if it was in the academy or the first team. So the FA Cup is much more like has got stricter rules, but the EFL Cup doesn't. It, it, it is like a player diving is cheating like a, yeah it's it's you know it's but it's part and parcel of the game and it's a yellow card it's a record this yeah. is, like this is strategic cheating borderline match fixing levels of smoke and mirrors and the de- like deceiving the authorities it's it is absolutely awful what they're doing yeah right it's it's crazy i i it's it's awful I, yeah there's no words about it and you're lying about these things and people have lost their families to this disease this is like despicable from a club that is generally so well respected and, and you know, has a, a, a lot of history and the respect that it demands of its, you know, fans and all that sort of thing. And it's, it's really disappointing to be honest. I don't know where it's come from. I, I, I doubt this or who knows if it's come from Klopp or the board or whatever, but it's, it's just lying. Like, I don't know, it's faking a disease. It's like, you know, imagine if, if Oh, it's just it's it's wrong it's horrible on so many levels and it's uh really sad to see it in the game but look i still want the game to go ahead to be honest because as a fan i'd quite like to see a semi-final i don't want to just get a bye to yeah. the final i'd like to see these players tested i'd like a midfield <laughs> yeah. um, but look let's use that as an opportunity to, to speak about the game i mean look, it was i suppose we should talk about it shouldn't we it was it was a bad day it was a very very bad day losing one nil away to forest it was gutless it was bland it was passive 
was kind of everything you don't need to be when you're going away to a championship team who will well up for it. So how did how did you perceive it? It, it, it was probably the worst performance of the season, I I would argue. I know people will, will point to the Man City 5-0, but this was worse, I thought. I thought the Man City game, at least you could sort of have the comfort that Manchester City are a great side. Forest are in a division below and we didn't even look competitive. We didn't have a shot on target all game. That was pretty poor from us. And I just don't think we were up for it at all. And... I think midfield didn't help. I think having Lokonga and Patino, bless him, like uh, like such a kid, and uh, it, it, it was really tough for both of them. They were obviously still very, like Lokonga's still new into the country. He had to play the senior role and basically babysit someone alongside him. And it, it, it was really tough for him and, and Patino as well. But I, just no one was up for it as well. Cedric, awful like I, I think I tweeted saying if Tommy Asu gets injured uh, and Cedric plays one minute of Premier League football we're going to finish in the bottom half obviously yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit exaggerative but like I mean Cedric was pretty bad yeah. Rob Holding as well he wasn't very good like he just can't do the things Gabriel or Ben White can do and then obviously Tavares I, I'm sure we'll get to it like had a horrid um first half if you will or first bit of the first half so <laughs> um yeah so uh, but it was just a very bad day at the office and we thoroughly deserved what we got which was absolutely nothing mm. yeah it it was a weird one for me i mean i'm trying to i i went into the game quite relaxed um and I, it was really like very it was extremely disappointing but i did come out surprisingly not feeling as sad or as disappointed as what the result or the performance may have suggested. I think it really, like for me, everything is geared towards being in the top four. And if we can nab a league cup out of this, great. But I think we've got, I don't know, we've got in this unexpected position of being in the top four. And it feels like if we could, if there's some way, and there's some way we could take a positive from this, which I tried to, what uh, I feel like I did immediately after is like, look at the positives and, yeah, I think our first team has been exceptional this season. Absolutely unbelievable. I think we've, you know, exceeded expectations. We've looked good. We've looked dangerous, in particular on an upward trajectory at the moment. And so that when our second team, you scratch the surface, we don't look good. And I don't think we, I didn't know we'd be this bad. But I think all this game has done for me, and don't get me wrong, it's crap, but it's highlighted some medium-term flaws that we knew that we had, um, and that is no real depth beyond the first team i think we've got about 14 15 players who are we've got cover with and they're very very good players beyond that it's yeah. it, it's it's not just uh it's not just not good but it's really bad and it yeah. makes everything dysfunctional and it kind of felt like the brentford game because i don't think i mean if you looked at twitter before the brentford game beginning of the season and if you looked at twitter before the game yesterday you had a very excited fan base i know mm. we had our covid cases in hindsight with 2020 is a wonderful thing but with Patino starting yesterday and a relatively strong uh, players dotted around the team, you still had Saka, Erdegaard, Martinelli playing. Um, and then if you look back to the Brentford game, it was Balagoon, we had Martinelli playing. These these are players we were excited to see. It was only when the, the ball started being kicked, we realised that it wasn't going to work. And um, 
look, I think there's no excusing it. The eleven on the on the field should have won. Yeah, they were good enough to win. They they had enough experience, nothing like that. But they were rusty. We haven't had European football. Um, I think Sambi Lukonga is kind of an exaggerated example of what the rest of the squad looked like as well. We haven't been playing Sambi Lukonga, who was one of our best players for the majority of the beginning of the season. Um, so it was super super disappointing. If I'm going to take a positive, it's going to be looking at the fact we have a clearer fixture list uh, yeah. now. We have seriously highlighted we could dive into the transfer window which there's questions on so we won't go into too much detail at the moment but yeah but midfield looks particularly scary doesn't it yeah that, that, there's rumors that Xhaka may not be available for Thursday and mm-hmm. if that's the case I'm extremely concerned because obviously it's just Lukonga and then we're using imperfect solutions. We could use either Chambers or Ben White in midfield. Mm. I wouldn't use Ben White because then we're taking him away from uh, centre-back and I don't want that. Uh, Chambers, again, he hasn't, he's barely played like at all this season. You've got Charlie Patino again, but again, he's just a kid. I mean, he's played one senior game of football and he looked like someone like obviously someone who who needs to play like who needs to play senior football more and is still not ready for for that sort of competition hmm. and then you got and then you got maybe Odegaard or Smith Rowe Smith Rowe's injured and Odegaard he's not really a deeper player so it is really a tricky a tricky situation for Arsenal to be in hmm. and the midfield. And obviously it goes back to the facts about Maitland-Niles and um, did we need to send him on loan now? Like, could, I, I think, I think Arsenal must've been blindsided by Xhaka's COVID, um, yeah. COVID case, because I think they wouldn't have sent, but surely they wouldn't have sent Maitland-Niles off if they knew Xhaka had COVID. I was thinking this. I had this as a discussion point. I like. I know it's it's really nice that we wanted to let AZ Metal Niles go. I think he, he is at that time in his career when he needs to play, and he's, he's just not going to get it here. And I kind of laughed that he actually started a fullback when he played. Yeah, right. yeah, me, me, me too. Yeah, that was funny. But look, I'm happy for him. But just a bit of hindsight. This is some kid that's been at the club for his whole life. Just to say to Roma and to say to to Ainsley, look, mate, let's get through the next two weeks. You're going to play. We need you. And we'll happily let you go at the end. We'll have all the paperwork done, pre-signed, whatever it needs to be. But just be here because even if you end up just being back up to Patino or whatever it may be, but I've no doubt that that his experience would have really helped. And I think we would have looked a very different team. Yeah. Um, and I, there's a blunder. That is a blunder. Like I think Edu and Arteta have done really well and all the team there. But just having the foresight to know and understand that that's what we needed. Look, we don't know the information. And yeah, maybe well, but that Xhaka had COVID or tested positive after Ainsley had gone, but that is really disappointing. So um, that's an area of the pitch we're really going to have to improve on. Again, there's a few questions on the on the transfer window, but so we'll get, we'll get into that then. But it looks like that's something that we're really going to have to get into um, and certainly scares me a lot. But um, so the in terms of the game then, if we go through it a little bit, I think obviously the lineup was a bit worrying. Um the first yeah. half, it was just poor, I think, from both sides. Yeah. Um, but I think the only talking point, really, that's worth, I think, discussing is obviously the Nuno Tavares incident. So what was what was your take on the Nuno Tavares hauling off at, uh, at 33 minutes? Um, I'm never a fan of taking a player off 
before half time because that I think what happened to Nuno is probably one of the most embarrassing things that could happen to a footballer. Mm. The only other thing that rivals it is taking a pl- bringing a player on a sub and then taking them off mm. um, when, when for another sub. So that that's pretty embarrassing as well. And I know that happened to Abue as well against Wigan all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good we, yeah, the good old days of Champions League football every year. So, um, yeah, <laughs> and Vengable every year. But no, a bit, that was pretty embarrassing. You look heartbroken when, when that happened. And I felt for Tavares here because he was bad. Let's make no mistake. He was bad. But I don't think he was as bad as, to be taken off in the first half of a football match. Like, I just, I, I if he was that bad, just wait until half time. like, Mm. It was. It's not like he was kicking it in his net, like in the net sort of thing, or like no, he nearly scored a screamer when he yeah put, yeah he put, <laughs> put it back to put it back to Leno and somehow like just, but 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 like yeah I just uh, I I'm never a fan of really like of just taking someone off because I think Liverpool done it last season with Trent but Klopp the way Klopp sort of handled it and explained it. Mm. sort of diffuse the situation whereas i tavares looked very very angry and uh, i'm sort of happy he was angry because it shows that he's a competitor and he wants to mm. continue but i just i i just didn't think it was it was a very smart change and uh, yeah it was just it was embarrassing for tavares and i i felt for him in that moment it was it was and 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 you know i just there's there's something that I that doesn't add up for me. Like I don't think that's an Arteta move. I I, I really don't. Like I, obviously I appreciate you made the decision, and, but um, like you don't make a point because he was bad and possibly the worst player on the pitch. But he wasn't the only one. And any yeah. you know, whether it was Cedric, he was probably as bad, if not just a little bit better than him at the time. Um, I thought Patino looked a bit out of depth, not that he did anything wrong in particular, but I just think we did look vulnerable there. Um, Eddie and Katia looked pitiful, quite frankly. And I, I think probably what's happened is that we've not seen all the straws that have led up to the final straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. I th- maybe something's been happening in training. Um, maybe Arteta's bit. Arteta is a very instructive, very methodical, very tactic-driven manager. And he, I don't know if you noticed, but, but Tavares was on the managerial side, so Arteta could have been barking orders at mm. him, and he could have just yeah. been ignoring everything. He could yeah. have been, um, you know, he, he could well have just basically been not listening to anything Arteta was saying, doing his own thing, getting his head down, because he doesn't really look up when he plays. And I just wonder, if he gets his head down, he gets, you know, the, the cortisols going, he's excited, yeah. and he just gets a bit too far up, a bit too far back, and he, then he's let vacate his space, and... You know, it's something that happened one too, one, one bit too often, and they got a chance from it. And uh, I, I do wonder if that is just a consequence of lots of little things that have happened to the point where Arteta's not making a point to the team because I don't think Arteta would do that. Like, you don't do that to a young player if you're making a point to the team, like that nobody's safe. You do that to a senior player. I think he's done that because Nuno's basically just not listened for for, for whatever reason. I can we can only assume that. Otherwise, it's. It's pretty bad, right? Yeah, like I, I, I think he's taking him off because he's clearly not doing what Arteta wanted him to do, mm. and that's fine. 
but I still wouldn't have done it. Like if I'm manager, I take a player off at half time. I know I'd never, I'd never take off a player in the first half of a game. I just think in terms of mental, like in terms of mentally killing someone, that is something that could easily happen. And I just don't, and he's still a young player and, and such. Um, so he's still got a long way to go, but yeah, I felt I felt for him uh, at that moment. And yeah, you make a good point in terms of he was on Arteta's side, so he's basically coaching him through it. And mm. I heard, like, I, I listened to the Ask Cast uh, earlier today, and oh, yeah. they, and they they were talking, and um, James was uh, was at the ground and basically behind that side with Arteta and Tavares, and he basically okay. said Arteta looked fuming with him every time like most times so and so did the assistant coaches right so there's something you, going on there then yeah so something went on there and that's mm-hmm. why he he went um he took him off but it is interesting in terms of changes though because the free change i know we're skipping i'm skipping ahead bit a bit but okay. the free the, the free changes that we made were literally the only ones we could make otherwise we're just getting into kids because like Lacazette had to come on at some point if mm-hmm. we needed an attack and change. Tierney, a bit of senior seniority in the team as well. I get it, but yeah. And then the third change. I mean, I know it was um, said Kalasnach, and obviously he did get a, a lot of um, a lot of um, laughter from a lot of fans. But I mean, mm-hmm. who else? Who else could you have brought on? I'm looking at the changes here. You have got Callum Chambers. I mean, he's not really going to do anything. Pablo Mari, again, not really do anything. You've got Amari Hutchinson, who's a kid. Salah. Um, Salah Adin. Yeah, yeah. Salah Adin, again, yeah, a kid. And um, BRF as well, again, a kid. Yeah. So, like, the, these are players, like, three of them haven't made their first team debuts yet. So, like, it, it was tough for him, even if him bringing on Kalasnac was very, very odd. But... Yeah, his sort of hands were tied because of, I guess, the squad and, and such. Being in, you know, like Smith Rowe, for example, would have came on, or at least he might have started as well, and he would have gave us one extra squad space. But yeah, this it, it was tough for, for Arteta with changes wise. Yeah, it's a tough one. It was a really tough one. And I think the game generally highlighted the importance of wing backs uh, yeah. in, in our system and in our structure. Um, I mean, Nuno having a bad game for us, feeling like we have to bring on Tierney for whatever reason we've just discussed. Yeah. A lot, just not having Tommy Asu. Like, and yeah, we missed Cedric. it. Oh my God, that golf, right? I just, yeah. he anchors the team in such a way that it's completely irreplaceable. And it's it's credit to him for proving that as a team, he's given balance to a squad. He's defensively good. He can go forward. And I mean, all of that sort of stuff. And the way he can link attacks from in to out and bring in the likes of Saka. Yeah. I mean, look, we finished the game. I can't, what time did Lacazette come on? Um, so Lacazette came on in the 69th minute. So right, he so came on for Charlie Patino. So for the six, for the 69, for, from the 69th minute, we had our first team front four run. So yes. that is, that's that's what's been winning us the most games recently. That's the ones that's mm. us the goals. That is a lethal front four. And the six behind them, like, it was pretty non-existent, right? Apart from Ben White, who was a first-teamer, and Lekonga, who was looking a bit rusty, to say the least. Really, the rest of them... Actually, no, sorry, we had Tierney on at that point, didn't we, as well? Yeah. But 
it just shows you the importance of having that anchor central field, the mobile yeah. central midfield that can ping them up to it and like the base that they get. And it yeah. kind of reminded me of looking at Manchester United this season in the sense mm-hmm. that they've got such a great front four. Yeah. And maybe front five, if you can count, you know, the extra one behind, but, but really they haven't got a base to give them anything. And I think it really highlights yeah. the level of which Arteta's structured the whole way that we play and the way that we can work from front from back to front the way that we can create those chances and get ourselves up the field and press in the right places and all that sort of stuff and everywhere else is rusty young crap yeah we just didn't give them any sort of platform right so it it reminded us manchester united last night um so you know i think we just don't have a second team and you know the cup is going to be really nice and i hope we can get to a final in some way but i'm glad there's only Mm -hmm. three games there because I'm looking forward to just having our first team fit for the rest of the season and being able to focus on it. But um, but look, even even though you know we had that, there were a couple of chances, weren't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, there was the Eddie and Ketia chance, which was a bad, bad miss. I just, like, I'm so done with it, mate. I really yeah, am. I mean, I'm, yeah. I love Eddie to pieces. Good guy. Yeah. Just get him, get him gone, get him gone. Yeah. Yeah. Don't... I, I, I see. I wouldn't have mind Eddie to stay, like, personally, but I just think it's probably time for him and Arsenal to depart at this point. It's not just because of the miss. I just think because his his level against these opposition is not always incredible, and I think he's never going to be more than a backup striker for a club that's aspiring to be where they are, like, in the top four and beyond. So maybe, yeah, so... It, it was a bad miss because it basically hit his face. Like I, I, I can't believe he didn't like head it in. It was a great cross from Saka, like the one moment of quality we showed all game. And then obviously there was another one with Saka where the keeper sort of came out. And I know Ali McCoy in commentary was like, "Why doesn't he chip him?" And oh, was so he, funny. Yeah, he did have a point, but like also I think Saka done, done a good thing, and then Lacazette somehow doesn't get any sort of touch on it so but they but it was funny because again we had no shots on target this whole game and um these were two good chances and i think i know forest had some good chances as well they had that free kick which was really good mm. um well saved by leno and then obviously they scored and it really wasn't good but yeah it's just uh, i i agree because i saw a tweet from you last night saying uh, like unpopular opinion i'm glad we lost this like I'm glad he didn't go to extra time, and I was as well. I said I think I was saying I think I said multiple times during the game, I'd rather lose than it to go to extra time. 100%, 100%. But but like like I'm not saying that lightly. I, I obviously the, the, the preference is winning ninety minutes. Like I want my team to win in ninety course, minutes. Of course, but like extra time would have killed the team, and like not just for this game, but also for the upcoming games as well. We really didn't need it and I'm glad we didn't have it. Yeah, and and for the record, like I I would never, ever, ever, ever want my team to lose this. No, of course. Yeah. Unless it means like if we're first in the Premier League and it's the last game of the season and if we us lose losing means Tottenham don't get top four, then so be it. You know, it's a very rare scenario. But obviously I was desperate for Arsenal to win. I was gutted when they lost. But um in, in hindsight, it's um like the 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 idea of having the fixture list we do and the importance of the top the, the the game against Tottenham is and playing an extra 30 minutes which is a huge huge amount of pressure on these players um 
like I think just weighing it up, I'd like, I think I'd rather have lost in 90 minutes than than one in 120. And I don't know, yeah. or at least roll the dice in 120. And, and it is a very big difference because it's not like you're playing an extra 30 minutes fresh yeah. or like the next day. Like you are at the end of your tether having played a full game at professional football, professional football, which is clearly knackering. And then you're in what I think the physio is called the red zone where you are at risk of injury and it does have an extra big toll on you. And it's, it's dangerous. And look, I'm glad to be lost. Um, and just one more thing about the, you mentioned Ali McCoy about the, um, yeah. that was so funny. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to leave it to Dick of the day. Um, <laughs> in fact, go on then. Let me, let's move on. Look, it's anything else to say about the game. And Katsi missed the sack of chance. Um, yeah, it is, uh, is what it is. It is what it is. Like, some... yeah, it's just, it, it just happens. And it, it's unfortunate that one less trophy that we can't win now is basically all our eggs. Like, if we want to win trophy this season, it's the Carabao Cup. So hopefully we do win that because uh, winning trophies is obviously what it's all about. But yeah, um, it was just a bad day at the office. Yeah. I agree. All right, who was your... Should we go man of the match or dick of the way? Let's go man of the match. Who was your man of the match? Um, the Arsenal fans for go, for uh, enduring that, um, that, yeah. that stuff in, in Nottingham. Um, I mean, I don't know, like, man of the match, that's really tough because they were... Leno, I'll give it to Leno because he made a few good saves. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think anyone really deserved a match but if it, he probably was like a six out of ten everyone else was pretty poor after that yeah I, I i actually gave it to leno for a bit more of a like a bit more of a reason i i, I actually had a bit of quite a lot of respect for him yesterday like yeah. it was it, because of the ramsdale fever and um all of that sort of jazz and just being so focused on him i think it's easy to forget that we do have a very good keeper on the bench yeah and i was thinking about it, we probably have the best duo in the Premier League in terms of keepers one and two, because most people don't mm. have a number one on their bench. Um, but also Ramsdale has been very good. And I think just have a lot of fair, like fair play to him. He's kept his head down. He's put in a very, very good performance. I think a couple of really good saves, quite dominant in the air, didn't let anything go. I just think fair play, to be honest. And I think if you're Ramsdale, that's or Ramsdale's coach, I should say, perhaps that's quite a good thing that he's not pushing yeah. for the number one spot, but he's not letting go he's not not dropping focus and yeah play um dick of the day i'm gonna give it to jack colback because i thought he was just a fallen little git all game (laughs) and it it really annoyed me and Mm. um i just don't understand he went the whole game without getting booked and i think he had like yeah and i just i i had no i had no idea how we went because there was a few fouls on saka which I just thought, I can't believe this guy is getting booked. So, yeah. Yeah, like, I I know I sound incredibly bitter right now, and yes, I am incredibly bitter. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, Jack Gold- Colback is my dick of the day. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, it happens every game to Saka, doesn't it? You just get kicked to... to yeah. Just, you know, not good, but, um, yeah, got, my dick of the day was going to be Klopp, just for being... Uh, and I wrote this before... This all came out, by the way. This investigation yeah. stuff. So, but now that that's been justified, I feel like I need to go on to someone else. Um, and look, I love Ali McCoist, uh, but this is more of a, a funny one. Um, but he, there was two moments that really made me laugh with Ali McCoist that was just so yeah. ridiculous. I had to highlight in some way, and I do think Dick of the Day really merited it. So, the first one was during the game. Uh, the commentator, the first commentator, I can't remember the name of, who was talking about the white kit and the importance of the 
uh, knife crime issue in London and the yeah. like uh, they don't have the names on the back and they only have the numbers and it was talking about knife crime and there was the most amount of murders because of knife crime in uh, since records began last year really serious stuff and Ali McCoy just goes I it's for a good cause but it makes our life a lot easier a lot harder <laughs> it's like <laughs> that was it it doesn't make my life any easier like, yeah yeah Oh, he's so funny, but that wasn't great. But obviously, very good cause, different that. Anyway, the next thing he does, I think you've already touched on it, was that he goes in at the end. And he goes and he just puts up this like graphic on a screen of exactly the point where Saka could have going at full pace, volley chip <laughs> the keeper yeah. into the top corner. He, goes, he just he just needs to chip it. He just needs to chip it. Yeah. I was yeah. like, Ali, he's running full pace on his wrong foot, and you want to ask him to chip the keeper. Don't get me wrong, yeah. that would have been great. But I don't think that's something he can do necessarily. Oh, it made me laugh, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, I hate commentators in in FA Cup games against big, like with lower league opposition against big teams mm. because they always tend to um, obviously want the giant killing and have something to talk about, sort of thing. So, Ali McCoy, I thought. Like he was more biased, not biased, I guess, but he was more for Nottingham Forest than than the other other side um, than other times. But I do like Alan McCoy as a character, and uh, and I yeah. he is quite good. Yeah, it's it, 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 absolutely. He's a lot of fun. I think him and yeah. Dion Dublin would be quite fun together. <laughs> um, well, look, let's get on to some questions. Um, Great. Let's go for it, shall we? Uh, let's have a wee look. So uh, we've got quite a few about a number of different things. So I'm just going to go to a random one here. So, okay, so we've got uh, Seal Nilsson. Hello, Seal. Um, so did anyone unexpectedly disappoint you during the game yesterday? That's a good question. Oh, that, that is a good question. Unexpectedly. Um... That, that, that's a really... It's a key part of the question, the unexpectedly part, because... There's a lot of people I expected to be let down by who yeah. they then did get let down by. I, uh, I, I feel harsh saying this, um, but I guess Martinelli, I just thought he was he wasn't really good like with his touches on the ball on the day. And I didn't think his decision making was was that amazing. Mm. But I also can recognize that he wasn't getting the ball and everything. And uh, I think if you are going to say unexpectedly poor for any of the attackers, I think you have to have that sort of context with what was behind them. And in sort of like, if it was party and Xhaka and he played that bad, I would understand, like, I, I would call it out more, but because it was Lukonga and Patino, like it was a bit more difficult for him. But yeah, he, I guess just because of how good Martinelli has been recently, it just was a bit, it was an unexpectedly bad performance from him. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good shout. I, I think you'd have to say similarly Saka, t- to be fair. Yeah. Um, he's had much better games. I think he looked a little bit lost and a bit a bit devoid of ideas but they played a back five and I, I don't think with any progression up the pitch it was very difficult to get involved but I, I think the most disappointing was Sambi Lekonga to be honest and I don't think that's really I think he was completely at fault for the goal I think mm. you can't try a lazy scoop pass in the middle of the pitch when you're nil-nil away at centre well it's just like come on simple stuff you'll learn but uh, it looks a bit rusty which you can kind of understand but yeah it was, was, was disappointing um, Nuno was disappointing but he uh he's kind of erratic as hell anyway so so there you go um okay so look i mean there's basically so many questions about um strikers so 
I mean, I could name a few. So, um, Nareg Bedrosian says, if we get a proper striker, i.e. Vavic, what other areas do you think we need to improve on? Um, there's a oh, there's loads, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> Vlaovic or Izak, that is from Hekis only. Um, there is, uh, do you think Vlaovic will go to Arsenal by uh, Chadikali, I should say? Anyway, so all of that stuff. So, striker situation. So, uh, January transfer window, what do you think is going to happen? What would you like to happen? It's a difficult situation because I think if I had to choose one sign in this January, it would be a midfielder every time mm-hmm. because I think midfielder is something that we sort we, we obviously urgently need, but also it's a good long-term thing as well because Elnen is leaving at the end of the season. You'd think Maitland-Niles will probably depart permanently at the end of the season as well. Yep. So I think a midfielder six months early to get them reclimatised is probably the best thing. Striker's a bit difficult because just all the targets that we've been linked with are going to be like very expensive. So getting them in, in January will be an ambitious effort. I'm not completely ruling it out, but I just don't think it's 100% realistic that we're going to get one. In terms of who I would want, I, re- I really like Izak. I think he's good. Um, I think he's sort of got all the, the skills. Vlavic, like, it's really difficult with Vlavic because I've sort of, I haven't really watched him, but looking at some of his stats, I don't think he blows me apart for the amount of money that has been offered, uh, being towered around for him. I think it is a bit too much money. So uh, I think there's that. And um, strikers from Italy, I know he's not Italian, but strikers from the Italian league, sort of like they're very hit and miss in terms of if they're going to succeed mm. in the Premier League. And then uh, like Calvin Lewin or or even someone like Ollie Watkins as well. Like they, they, these are players that are in the Premier League, I think are decent, especially Calvin Lewin before his injury. I've really appreciated him. But mm. yeah, like I just don't, I, I would be, I think it's more realistic that we'll see a sign in, in the summer for striker. But if we're going to do any business in January, it's going to be a midfielder. Yeah. Curiously, Charlie's asked about Calvin Lewin and Watkins as well. He says, um, Calvert Lewin or Watkins to join us in the summer, choose one and why. Um, yeah, I, just sort of going into Flavic before that, uh, it, it's picking up momentum. It really is. I, I, it I, is, I, yeah. I, I do think that, um, it, that there's a lot there. And um, I think the player could be convinced they were going to have to pay him a lot. But I think we're the only ones that are going to pay what, what it looks like we could be prepared to play in, in this window. And quite frankly, I know that he's, I quite like his stats. I've seen him on YouTube. He looks good. He looks very one-footed though. And he looks like he can hold up the ball, but he's 21. And I do wonder with a bit of coaching what he would be expected to do. He doesn't really press, but then again, he's in the Italian league and maybe he's not on a team that does press, but give him a few years with Arteta. I'd be quite keen to see what he could do. He's an absolute animal. He's only 21. So yeah. he's young, uh, one year older than Nketiah. Yeah. Um, you know, so all older, younger, I should say, younger than Nketiah. How old is Nketiah? 22, isn't he? Is, is Nketiah really that old? Oh, Jesus. Am I wrong? Is he, 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 he is 22, yeah. yeah so so he he's younger. younger than Nketiah and he's scoring that many goals. Like, it's exciting. And, um, but look, I, I think Isaac looks good. All these players look good. It's going to be very difficult to get this transfer window. Uh, Calvert Lewin and Watkins, good question. So those, those two. Uh, both look like great players. I think Calvert-Lewin last season, I would have taken a heartbeat over Watkins, but he's now got an injury. 
and he hasn't got like more than a couple of seasons to his name, like one and a half good seasons. I'd quite like to see him have a little bit more momentum before coming to someone like Arsenal and being that central guy. But all of these age profiles look good. Watkins is 26, I think. He looks great. He nearly scored against United a minute ago. I don't know what the score is there, actually. Um, but yeah, so very good players and it's exciting. But more onto the point that Greg Wepner um, asks as well, is it is it more important this window to sign a striker or a central fielder? Both are needed, but which is more important? And look, I think... If we don't get a striker, I think we can stutter our way and get to top four. Mm. I think we probably won't, um, but I think we could. I think if we don't sign a midfielder, I think we we almost categorically don't. Yeah, I it, it is difficult because I think because there is an opportunity for top four now. I think Arsenal have an opportunity to do something in January to try and push that event of over the line basically I agree. they can bring what for the whole summer like the yeah whole uh, and i think someone pointed out which was a really good fact was because the world cup is in december this year mm. that bringing in a, a summer sign in six months early to get them acclimatized is actually very smart and i i like I like the idea of bringing someone in who we were going to get in the summer early mm. because we think we can make a charge for top four. I really appreciate that sort of thinking. I just don't, but for me, I, I always wanted a midfielder in the summer because I thought a central midfielder was quite important. I, I appreciated how well Xhaka and Party played together, but I just thought, apart from that, like, I know we signed the Conga, but it's just like, apart from that, we needed more. And uh, obviously now it, we're showing where we need more. And I think central midfielder is such a big one. It's definitely, if it doesn't get done in January, it's going to be done in the summer. Mm. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is really difficult. Who is Again, it? Like that, that is the thing, isn't yeah. it? So, so Dan Hodges says if you bring in any central midfielder in the world, realistically, who, who would it be? And, and that is the key question, isn't it? Because it's not only, well, of course we need this position, but we need them to be good. I'm not getting another mm. kill Kim Kallstrom, even though he has now obviously won more trophies than Tottenham Hotspur. But yeah, um, yeah it's like, it, I, I don't want, a, unless it's like an Erdegaard level of spectacularness yeah. or like if we're going to get a, I think James um, McNicholas put it really well in, in the uh, athletic. He was like, a central midfielder ain't just for Christmas. Like uh, yeah. for January, like I, we need a serious central midfielder and that person probably needs to be the replacement of Xhaka. Yeah. Um, it's just being able to get them. So who, who's in your mind? Well, there's that um, Bruno Guimaraes um, guy from um, Leon who's, mm. Um, got some close links with Edu. I think he has, uh, I think Kia's his agent or there's something related to Kia. So Kia's doing something good for us because he's actually a very good player. It makes um, me nervous just because he's involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does yeah. make you nervous, but he is actually a very good player. Although um, I just read reports that Juventus are interested in him literally just a second, which is quite, um, <laughs> which is quite annoying. annoying. Um, and then obviously we, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to joke, and a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but you know, I just it's just because I'm on the style, Joe, and I've got a picture of him right in front of me, um, above this camera. But if you could give me Aaron Ramsey for six months on loan, I would do it. Like, yeah. I, I yeah, I, I genuinely, I genuinely would, and I I'm a sucker for love stories, and I'm sucker for for players who um 
who made me feel incredibly happy over the years. I feel like even if it was, um, if Arteta left and Meza Ozil was available for six months, like I, I'd do it as well. Again, I'm a sucker for it. And I'm pretty confident 100% Arsene Wenger would have brought him back by now. So like, yeah. and um, and Wilshire would have been given a contract. So, well, but you know, you, you know, like uh, it, realistically though, they, they shouldn't really be silent. I guess if you're looking for a stopgap, I guess Genie Wijnaldum maybe for six months and then he goes back to PSG. Hmm. But um See, I think that would be the best one. I think you, you think? I think that is the the smartest move we could make it happen. As long yeah. as, well, sorry, failing the fact that we wouldn't get our number one target for who we yeah. want that to be long term, then I think it needs to be somebody of the profile of Gigi Maldada. And that's pretty much as good as it could get. That's Martin Odegaard mm. level, if not better level of signing, because he's an amazing player in that position. And um, if he's not being played or if he wants to go, then I'd happily have him six months just to do a job. And let's be frank, probably be a high level squad player rather than a starter every week. So um, that's something I would be really into, really into. But um, I mean, look, if you had to, Ramsey or, you know, we, we have, if, if we're looking at Carling Cup games that we need to fill, we do have Jack Wilshire training and fit. Like, I know I'm not, I don't think we should. Yeah. But like, if we're talking about having to play Patino, and mm. not having a backup, like it kind of feels like a no-brainer. But I don't know how contractually you'd do it. The the, the only thing with Wilsh, you would have to sign him to a six-month contract because but that's you can't, too long, isn't it? Yeah, because and because you have to because it wouldn't be fair on Wilshire if he signed like a month contract and then he can't join another club mid-season. So it wouldn't be fair to him. I think six. It would have to be a six-month contract. But then again, I think it's been uh, pointed out he hasn't played since May. No. So and that was uh, against Wickham Wanderers in the Championship. Yeah, exactly. So he, it's all he was in the playoffs as well, whatever. Like, but it's just like he. That's very, very big. For, like, that's a really. It's a lot of games, a lot of time without football. So. Yeah. If it, it, I, I just don't think it's realistic. In terms of, I think you were going to ask if if I who I'd prefer out of Wijnaldum or um, Ramsey, and mm. um, obviously I've got to back my boy um, Ramsey because yeah, Ramsey. Um, yeah because of nostalgia. But <laughs> I I would I like the better player currently is Genie Wijnaldum. Like, and uh, if we got him on loan, I'd be incredibly happy. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I'd, I think if if we played out the actual scenario, how it would actually play out in real life. Aaron Ramsey is going to be a very expensive signing for somebody who mm. probably won't play very much and it will be incredibly injured. It would be amazing to see. I'd love to see it, but like maybe just Jack Wilshire in a shirt who'd probably be quite cheap. Do you know what? Gigi Mandandam is the way forward for that, yeah. um, I think, or someone signing that's going to replace Shaka eventually. So, um, okay. All right. Well, look, let's finish on a slightly more forward-thinking note. Um, which one am I going to pick here? We've got two slightly forward things. Okay, let's go with Charlie Rugg. Charlie Rugg, seven. Um, where do you see us in two years' time? Oh, good question. Um, so, okay. I, I'm going to say two years from today would be 2024. So we would have gone through the 22-23 season and the 23-24 season would be like in progress. So what I'm hoping is within the next, so either this season or next season, we'll be back in the Champions League mm-hmm. and then hopefully making a push for that and beyond. 
and becoming consistent Champions League club, mm. but also going for the league. That's what I hope, and that's what the, the aim's got to be, right? Like, we've got to want to win the the, the biggest honours, and we can't just keep being a, a yo-yo club in terms of, like, Champions League, Europa League, Champions League, Europa League. Like, we've got to get back ourselves back up there. And uh, I think that's that's the, the realistic thing. Getting in Champions League this season would be incredible like it really would it would really show how good we've done this season and and really how good our recruitment has been but if we could get in next season as well and we just get back into Europe this season I think that's a satisfactory season even if it would be a big blow because we are in such a bit like we, we are in top four now so like it would be a big blow to lose that it would be it would be and I think Hopefully we can get it this season, if not next season. But I do I have this, uh, yeah, interesting thought about the next th- th- uh, few years, really. When you think about it, we've got six teams that really could be pushing for it and feel like they should be there. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to... Like, once you're back in the Champions League, that means nothing. Like, I don't think that gives you any sort of God-given right or anything like it to be there the season after. I think, really, City and Chelsea be the ones that will always be there. Yeah, one season perhaps, as they do every now and then. But but really, they've got so much money and so much influence that I do think those are the teams that will be there. Liverpool are probably on a par with Arsenal when it comes to finances. Perhaps even actually a little bit worse off. I I don't think they've got a very aging squad now. I should say, and I don't think that's going to last forever. I don't think like they they were down for a long time, and that was when they were still technically a top four. So uh, I think there's going to be a bit of a merry-go-round, and I think look. There'll be a time where we'll be pushing for the title, but I don't think we'll be pushing for the title in the next five years. Like, mm. if we can've got the finances and everything goes in place. But one thing I will say is that look, for all the cronky out stuff, we've got a loner who clearly is putting his balls on the line and happy to put some cash down. And you don't see anyone shouting cronky out at the moment, do you? I mean, I mean to be honest, like with with the cronky out thing, I'm 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 still rather an owner who who is a bit better than than Stan Kroenke? Yeah. I don't think I don't think many Arsenal fans have viewed uh, views have changed on on the Kroenkes, but I think the the only way for them and for them and I sort of understand their point of view is uh, the only way they're gonna be like people won't talk about them is if Arsenal are doing well. Yeah, if Arsenal are doing well, nobody cares about them. If Arsenal are doing bad, they get put into main focus. But what I respect about them is that they don't try and get too involved into the club. I understand that we that we want a level of transparency and we want a level of communication from them. That's key. But also, I don't want them to. Um, I don't want them to get involved with all like footballing decisions. They no. hire people who they think are best at a role. They keep them maybe a bit too long, which is a flaw for them. They should um, like Gazidis stay out, stay is welcome, like at Arsenal, yeah, by, for a long time. And so they keep people for a bit too long who are a bit mediocre. But if they get the, those hires right, Arsenal might actually do something and. I would like to know where, like, I'm waiting for the Swiss Ramble report about where the the money for the for yeah. that summer came from. Because I would I would love to know. I would love to know if it was actually from them or if it was actually just like a 
yeah, a, ma- a massive loan on the club. So, like, I, I do want to find out that. Me too. Well, look, I, as it stands, I my opinion is, like, look, obviously, it was terrible when we weren't winning. They were hiring the wrong people. There was Mislintown. Yeah. There was, like, all these sorts of people who were shady characters being hired. And, no, we didn't have, like, a culture of any kind of success, right? And it was horrible. And it was clear to see we were coming eighth. And I, I, I actually have full kudos to... to to Arteta and Edu, who have stabilised the club. Vinay even has done quite well. Like, I mean, this is all happening because of success, but really there's structures in place that didn't exist before. There was no such thing as a structure before, and everything from the, the transfer activity, the scouting system, which was uprooted before and, and now has been re-implemented in new ways. And, you know, we were in uproar about that before because it was at a time where everyone, you know, Gunnosaurus was getting sacked and all that sort of stuff. And it was like... <laughs> It didn't. It felt like our club was being taken away from us. But I guess the question I would have, just generally, it's rhetorical, but feel free to answer it. Like, what? What's your ideal evil billionaire? Like, take your pick. I mean, you're not going to get. It's not the old, good old days where you got mm. David Dean. These are. If you want to compete, it's it's got to be oil. It's got to be American franchises. It's got to be something that is getting the those levels of hundreds of billions because. Or, or whatever it is, I don't know that you know like the depths of all these levels of business, but like it's got to be some Doctor Evil somewhere. So it's, otherwise, you you ain't getting anywhere. That's football nowadays, and it's it really saddens me to say that. But look, Real Madrid's a, a um, uh, basically a presidential like thing. It's a governmental scheme. Barcelona has had to take billions out like to just even mm-hmm. survive, and they're club owned, and they're like basically on their ass. Bayern Munich is probably the only one you'd say, but they're a one club league anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and if you're going to survive in the Premier League or try and compete for the Premier League slash Champions League, you, you've got to have a Doctor Evil owner. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that is, there is ever, ever anymore going to be a good, honest owner that anyone's going to like. And I. As far as the Cronkies are putting in money, then I, I kind of don't really want anywhere else. Like, if Daniel Ek came in, is he going to put the same level of money in? Is he going to no. have the same clients? He's got no experience in sport. Mm. You could say Cronkies do. I mean, it's a tough one. I'm not defending them, obviously. I think they're mm. clearly evil people, and I, I just don't know if we're ever going to be owned or run by good people ever again. And sorry for, for ranting there. but <laughs> No, no, no. no. Like, I, I, just just the final, final point on that. I don't think that, a good owner exists, mm. but I would rather. Uh, this is going to be a controversial point, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for this, but I would rather stand Cronky and what they do. They're, they're not thoughtless as well. They've done really bad things, mm. like make people homeless and and such in in their like trying to get Walmart Empire sort of thing because mm. Stan Cronky's wife owns Walmart, and I. But I would rather that than have an owner like um, Newcastle do. Or Man City. Who, or Man City. Yeah. Or who are basically like Man City, um, Newcastle's owner basically is, runs a country which um, bans gay pride, like gay, gay rights mm. and homosexual rights. That's disgraceful and that's like that's so bad and they're allowed to run a football club because they just have loads of money and yeah, i would i would rather stan Kroenke at least try and do it in a good way like in terms of like we're trying to be this self-sustaining club we're only making what we earn etc etc i know arsenal fans want to win but if arsenal fan and i want to win as well and i'm sure you do but if arsenal were to win this way 
I guarantee you it would feel much more better than if Arsenal got the Saudi owners and then spent loads of money and then won that way. Yes, I would still celebrate it because Arsenal's an addiction for me. Like, I love Arsenal. Arsenal is my drug. But, like... It, it still wouldn't feel that good because just because of you, you would have to do a lot of like wash, like basically you would have to forget a lot for just to focus totally on football. So sports washing and all that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Give people, these values that are clearly pretty historic and yeah, disgusting. And, uh, well, they literally have thousands of murdered blood or they've got blood on their hands, basically. Don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. All these people. And it's the world cup does, um, it's 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 a it's you know a whole other podcast worth of conversation as to what we need to do around that. But um, well, look, that I mean, we've we've we've, we've whoa, wow, we really went deep there, didn't we? We've, we've yeah, got yeah, into, yeah. We've got into the bones of it. So yeah, uh, well, what what are your thoughts on Liverpool then? Just as we close, if it goes ahead, I, I think it'll be a very tough game. I think if we can get out of Anfield without a massive deficit, I think we would have done well. <sighs> The key for me is getting Xhaka back for the Spurs game. If he's likely to miss the Liverpool game and he's a bit mm. like 50-50, get him back for the Spurs game and then hope we don't go too far behind in the Liverpool game. Mm. Obviously, I don't want us to lose. Like, let's go there. Like, I would love to hope if we could go there and win. But I just think if we're going to go there without with just Lukonga as our as a senior central midfielder, yeah. I think it's going to be a very tricky game. Oh, so, win. yeah. So, um, I'm going to predict. I'll say two-one Liverpool, but mm-hmm. like if Shaq is back and he's fully fit and Smith Rowe is and T- Tommy Asu is, it might be different. I'm I'm so keen to make the North London derby the priority, and if I yeah. almost, I I don't I haven't decided this in my head to be fair. I need to think about this, but like I kind of would rather play a second string team against Liverpool, sit defensive, just soak up the pressure or whatever we need to do at Anfield. I don't care. Win the North London derby and then play the first team at home against Liverpool or something like that. Maybe I mean it's so hard to tell. I want to go and win this League Cup because what an opportunity for the team we've got to get some experience winning a trophy, but. We'll see. I think we'll lose away and win at home, and it just depends on the goal difference there, doesn't it? So let's see. Yeah. Um, well, look, thanks so much for for joining everybody and met, mate. Thanks so much for joining. I think we've really got stuck in there, didn't we? And we got to the bottom of pretty much the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So um, I'm I'm sure we're going to get a call from uh, I don't know the United Nations to basically ask for the world to be taken over by us. So um, you know, um, and we will do it for good, not for evil. No, I'll leave my phone uh, off disturbed tonight then, just in case they do call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice one, mate. Well, look, so much thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, cheers, Matt. We'll see you next week. And we'll see everyone who's listening next week after we've beaten Liverpool by 16 goals. Uh-oh.